0: Welcome inside episode 347 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar out in Collingwood, and lightning struck at Amelie Arena to kick off the Stanley Cup final. 5-1, the final score, and the Habs all of a sudden looking around like, Uh Uh-oh, this is what center depth on the opposition looks like. We'll have a full breakdown of that game and whether or not the Habs have any chance to bounce back. Then we turn our attention to the NHL Draft. 24 days away, we're on our way through the countdown, and today we get 71 through 67 on our final Central Draft rankings. All that plus, Nugent Hopkins signs a big ticket, Wayne Simmons re-ups in Toronto, and some Tuesday trivia. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, June 29th in Pilsy knee jerk reaction alert, but do you still think Carey Price is a better goalie than Andre Vasilevsky? Well, hey, first off, I didn't say
1: that in a in a general sense. I just thought that Carey Price would have the edge in this series because of all the emotional uh, things going on with Montreal, but a lot of those goals were not his fault. I'll say that off the bat. Like maybe, maybe the Kucherov one, he could have he had a chance on but That was one hell of a shot right off the face-off. Then he get a lot of tips, deflection screens. So T- Tampa Bay just overpowered Montreal. I think that was a real wake-up call that, sure, the Golden Knights are an amazing team, and I'm not taking anything away from them. But we're talking about the reigning Stanley Cup champions here. They're going to burst through that dam. And hey, <laughs> Ross, finally... It took a long time and it was almost too little too late, but Stamkos got on the power play goal against the Montreal Canadiens. I think there were 32 for 32 before that happened. And in the final minute of the game up
0: 4-1,
1: they get that one. So that's got to sting if you're the Habs.
0: What's more surprising though, that or the fact that John Cooper elected to start with five forwards on a five on three power play when they're up three goals. Hey, if you've
1: got the firepower and you're like, this is a penalty killing unit that's been 100%. I think it was the last 13 games. Then you got to try something new and Hey, hat tip to John Cooper. That certainly worked.
0: Yeah. Well, it was Tampa Bay's penalty kill. That was perfect. Only two for two, a a pretty clean, or should we just say relaxed called game when it comes to the officiating, you never know what you're going to get in the NHL, but The Lightning, they score that late power play goal. Stamkos gets his eighth goal of the postseason. That's impressive because I haven't really heard much about him this postseason. It's all about Point and Kucherov and Vasilevsky, who again was quiet in the crease, but good when he had to be only 19 shots against, made 18 saves. That's the same amount of saves he made in that game seven shutout against the New York Islanders. So what does that tell you about Tampa's defensive game that they've given up a total? Of 38 shots in their last two games. I think it's one of
1: those examples, Ross, of sometimes the best defense is a good offense, right? Like when you're the Tampa Bay Lightning and you have the offensive uh, firepower up front that they do, half the time it's just because they have the puck so much and they're cycling in the ozone. Like the Habs don't even have a chance to get those opportunities. But they did have a couple real strong opportunities like Shea Weber on a breakaway. Nice save by Vasilevsky with the glove. They hit the post earlier in the game. Gallagher had a nice breakaway chance that he wasn't able to get anything with like And usually that's where the Habs capitalize and they keep this game going. But when you got a guy like Vasilevsky in the net, you're not going to be able to capitalize on those scoring opportunities as much as you would like. So It was a tough, tough game one for the Habs. They just couldn't go the full 60 minutes. I thought they were pretty much right with them in the first two periods. Obviously, Tampa had control of the game, but just 2-1, like it's anyone's game at that point. And then Kucherov entered the scene, and that was kind of it.
0: Yeah, at that point, you're just looking around like, wait, you guys have more stars than just the guys we thought. I just love what Tampa brings, and we mentioned it last podcast, but – they won the cup without any fans and now they've got a full house in front of them down in Tampa Bay. You know, that's definitely a part of their pregame motivation is that we want to celebrate with the fans and not only for the boat parade, but we want these guys in the house and hey, credit to them too. They were loud last night, although you could tell when they did the uh, opening introductions that the, the boos were few and far between for the Habs and it was almost drowned out by cheering like there were a lot of Habs fans down there in South Florida.
1: Yeah, there actually was. And it seemed like kind of every crowd shot that you'd see at least one or two red jerseys, which is pretty pretty crazy. Good for the Habs fans getting down there. I mean... It's, it's wild when you think though, Ross, like the ticket price for the Habs games, is like 15,000 a ticket. You can fly a family of four, get four tickets, hotels, return flights, dinners for two nights, and probably spend less going to Tampa for that game. So actually it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Another head to head matchup that we want to touch on today is the face off dot. And we know that the Habs young centermen, they're solid. They're going to get there. Kakaniemi, Nick Suzuki, what have you, but, You can't give extra possession to this Tampa Bay Lightning team. Nick Suzuki, 29%. He won three out of seven against Braden Point and only won one of seven of the other four forwards that he faced in the faceoff dot. So Suzuki, I'm going to be watching him the rest of the series. That line with Toffoli and Caulfield, they thrive off of puck possession, but can he get it to them early? And often I thought it was also genius of John Cooper. He downplayed it a bit after the game, but he was asked about keeping Braden point away from Philip Deneau, by the way, the only Habs centerman above 50% in the faceoff circle. He snapped back 14 out of 22, 64%. He was his defensive, sol- defensively solid self, but, when I'm seeing Braden points line, stay away from that's going to be a fun matchup. Hey, Pilsy, when we go up to Montreal and he's not going to have that choice points going to have to go up against the no.
1: Yeah. So I think that's going to be a big advantage for Montreal when they get back in home ice and can get the last change. But Man, Denoe is a solid, solid centerman. He does, he strictly does not score goals. It's not in his repertoire. But on the faceoff dot and shutting down those other teams' top center, he's so good. So it's it's going to be tough for Montreal to kind of balance things and have guys like Suzuki go up against Point, uh, guys like Kakanyami go up against Point. Because sure, they're they've got the flash offensively and they can make plays. But if you start every single shift by losing a faceoff then you got those guys on their heels defensively and that's not where they where they flourish. So I think if you're the Habs, you got to be itching to get back to Montreal to help out with the face-offs and the blind matchups.
0: You mentioned DeNo, and he does not score goals. He, he has literally five, does not. <laughs> five goals this entire season plus playoff in 73 games. Five goals in 73 games. That is a pretty incredible stat for a guy who's, Praise we're singing, right? Like, usually it's like, oh, this guy has five goals, 73 games. What happened to him? But he knows his role and he plays it to a T. The only problem is that Tampa Bay is not a one line team. So you can shut down one line, sure, but then the other line's gonna bite you. So that's what happened last night. John Cooper got the matchup he wanted, and they get the result that they wanted. One last thing we want to touch on before I move on, because we do have some NHL news and notes, and our countdown continues for NHL draft rankings, but Pillsy, that play at the end of the game, Gallagher gets into it with Eric Chernak, who, by the way, I would have that kid on my team any day. Big, mean, physical, and for Sens fans watching, a little fun background, his first cousin, none other than Christian Yarosh but Chernak gets into it with Brendan Gallagher. They wrestled to the ice. Now, some people are comparing this to Wilson Panarin. This is not even close, right? It's just the way that it ended with Brendan Gallagher pouring blood out of his head, not ideal, but no, no further discipline you think here, right? Well,
1: I mean, every time you think you got things figured out, Ross, it seems like the league just flips it on its head. So I don't think there's going to be further discipline on this one, but definitely a bad, bad visual. And Hey, Brendan Gallagher, like he likes to play that style, but I think that's kind of a wake up call that Tampa Bay is not going to allow that.
0: I wonder if there's been a Stanley Cup final suspension since having to go back to Chris Pronger elbowing Dean McCammon as he came across the blue line in that game three, man. I was I was like right in front of that when it happened. The whole arena just went silent. The worst part of that, too, was then the next season after Dean McCammon comes back, that clown Steve Downey went and just steamrolled him in a preseason game, got like a 20-game suspension. Anyways, I don't think there's going to be a suspension here. It was a a wrestling match and one of the guys lost his helmet and and then kind of the rest is history. But bad visual. It looks like Brendan Gallagher is okay. We love to see that. Don't cheer injuries anytime, anywhere. But Pilsy, this game too is going to be electric. I'm not going to call it a must win yet though for Montreal.
1: I don't know. It'll be pretty tough going down 2 nothing to Tampa, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it's a must win for me, And and you can argue this, but Game 1 doesn't really mean a whole lot for me. Like, that just kind of kicks the series off. I think they were saying on the broadcast, the last three Stanley Cup winners – uh, lost game one. Yep. So Back. I don't I don't think it's as big a deal as people make it. And game one is always kind of a feeling out process, right? Like now Montreal has a lot better idea of what they need to do. They're going to be working on the face-offs. I think they need to find different ways that they can attack Vasilevsky, get some traffic in front, create chaos, try to get tips, deflections, because you're not going to beat him cleanly very often.
0: No, you certainly are not. And Carey Price is not often going to have a bad night like he did Uh, With five goals on 27 shots, although as we mentioned, maybe not all his fault. As the Stanley Cup final continues, the offseason is well underway in the rest of the NHL. We've seen coaches being hired. Seattle's got their bench boss now, which seems like the final piece of the puzzle until they can select their team. But other teams have UFAs and players to protect as well. And with the Edmonton Oilers, they've re-upped Ryan Nugent Hopkins to an eight-year $41 $41 million contract that works out to be an annual average of just $5 million. But then you look at the term being so high, you know that he has a new, mo- no movement clause in this contract, but Pillsy, after this completion of this contract, he'll be in Edmonton for a guaranteed 16 years. It's a long, long tenure in one spot.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Especially a, a cold, uh, unsuccessful spot like Edmonton, but that's one hell of a deal if you're the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, what, didn't didn't he have a six million dollar deal before? He so did. like, you're getting him. Like, I think that's where the term and the financial stability plays its part. But man, to get a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins for five million dollars, especially a guy you've grown, drafted and developed, like that's pretty good if you're the Edmonton Oilers and that should help them ease up a little more money on their cap-friendly page to try to get some depth in that forward because that's what they need big time. So I think that's a great deal for both sides.
0: Yeah, he's signed until he's 36 years old. So he's 28 right now. I'm happy because it takes away any possibility that he comes to Ottawa. I just didn't see a fit there. A guy who, yeah, he plays center, but he also plays a bunch on the wing too. Like Ottawa needs a, a pure centerman who can come in and play in the top two, if they're going to add at all. I, I wouldn't mind if it's still Shane Pinto getting an opportunity. We've seen what his uh, counterpart Cole Caulfield has done in a top six role in uh, Montreal, so I'd be happy if that's the case, but I just didn't see a fit for Nugent Hopkins in Ottawa. However, taking a discount off his last contract, I think that that in itself is a win for Edmonton. Elliot Freeman reported that these two sides grinded to get this deal done. There's an attention negotiation back and forth and you give this, I give that. And well, it worked out in the wash because I think Nugent Hopkins, his number one priority was to get uh, protected in a no movement clause and stay in the same spot for maximum term. And in to do that, he's given up what $2 million. You think per year, he could have got extra on the open market on a four or five year contract.
1: Yeah, I, I bet he would at least get a increase from his $6 million contract. So he definitely gave us some money, but then you start thinking about it, right? Like you're going to be a pivotal piece in the Leon Drys, Seidel, Connor, McDavid saga, right? Like yeah. I think that's a well, pretty era. good place to be. Yeah, the era. Um, so like they they have to scratch the surface eventually. Like eventually this team's going to figure it out. You take less to get eight years. You get your no movement clause so that they're not going to trade you to Buffalo when they're sick of you. So <laughs> I, I think it's a good deal all around and the Edmonton Oilers they have to start figuring things out here though they're going to run out of time
0: yeah no question and well there are questions still in the in the goaltending position Mike Smith was awesome last year but now he's like 39 years old so where do they go resign him (laughs) Edmonton Calgary are two very interesting teams this offseason because we know that the Sean Monaghan Johnny Goudreau Matthew Kachuk pick two of three type thing in in Calgary and yeah with Edmonton when you have Connor McDavid, you better be going for a Stanley cup every year. And there's quite a bit of work that needs to be done on that blue line and to solidify the goaltending position for them to have a, a serious chance at contending. And what about Vancouver? What's going on out there? Not a whole lot of money to play with, but Elias Petterson and Quinn Hughes, their two most important players are both pending RFAs. Is an offer sheet coming? Probably not, but Jim Benning has his work cut out. We'll be here every step of the way through the offseason providing you a senator's angle on the NHL. Pillsy Wayne Simmons, two-year contract with the Leafs, paying him a total of what he made last season. So is it pay cut season, and what could we look into this for the entirety of the free agent class?
1: Yeah, I mean, it does seem like it's pay cut season, but then also you got to remember, this is cl- classic Toronto, right? Like getting older veteran guys who are from the Toronto area that want to play for the Leafs and they don't care about the money anymore. And I think Wayne Simmons is one of those guys, right? Like he's, he's made a, his money. He's please put his money in the bank. That's for sure. In, in his days with the flyers. And so I don't think he's too concerned with that. He'd rather stay close to home. He probably, for some reason, I don't know him and Spezza got together and said, yeah, we're going to win next year. It's going to happen next year. Actually probably a two, two year span there. That's why Wayne Simmons signed a two year deal. But Uh, it's it's good for the Leafs they need his style of player but I don't think Wayne Simmons is as effective as you would hope anymore unfortunately I think his his style just doesn't get it done anymore he doesn't have the offensive abilities he used to have so he's kind of more a real depth piece a real veteran leader that's going to add some grit that's about it
0: yeah he's made almost 35 million dollars in his career so I think he's doing all right and the style that he's played his entire career he's just got a lot of miles on those tires like he was a Run you through the wall, chirp you, score on your man. He was an awesome player when he was at his prime with with the Philadelphia Flyers, like 2013, 14, around that. That uh, era was a a different beast for for Wayne Simmons. The Leafs could have used that Wayne Simmons last year in the postseason, not the fourth liner that he's become. But all that aside, lots to get into in terms of our draft ranking. So let's drive on over there. Make sure everything's running smooth. And if it's not, it's Rock Auto that can fix Your car, they're a family business. They've been serving auto parts to customers online and they've done it for over 20 years. That's the seal of longevity right there. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have literally everything. Engine control modules, tail lamps, brake parts, new carpet, and even switch up your motor oil there. Whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly, see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, the price at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much with the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just put locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box. That way, they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. All right, Pilsy, 24 days until the National Hockey League draft, and we're on day two of our countdown from 75 all the way up to one. If you're just joining us, what we've done is taken our eight most trusted sources, Bob McKenzie and Craig Button from TSN, Scott Wheeler, and Corey Promden from The Athletic, our best friend of the show, Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects, Scouting, McKeens, and the Elite Prospects Draft Guide, and we've averaged out those rankings to get our final list. Pilsey, kicking off today's list at 71st with an average ranking of 69.9. It's Brent Johnson, the 5'11", 160-pound defenseman, dominated with the Sioux Falls team in the USHL. Until he makes his entry in the North Dakota fighting Hawks, fighting Sens. Maybe what do you think the odds are the Sens add yet another Nodak product to the organization?
1: I would say very, very high, Ross. And because this guy is right in their wheelhouse, I'm so excited about Brent Johnson. What a way to kick off today's uh for some of prospects and this guy, he he's perfect for what the Sens need. He's a smooth skater. He's a good puck mover. And what I like is you mentioned his size, 5'11", 165. That doesn't jump out at you, but he'll play the body. Like I saw a couple of clips of him oh, yeah. separating the man from the puck. That is awesome. And he, here's what I think is just perfect. Will Scouch, one of the uh, scouts we use, describes him as a puck-moving defensive defenseman. That's Ooh. the best of both worlds. And you get him on the right, right side, and he's he's gonna be so effective. He seems like a great all-round defenseman. He focuses on defense, but he's he's not um you know, he's not a liability when he has the puck. He can transition the puck up ice, which a lot of the time we talk about our yin and yang defenseman, right? So let's say in this case, he's a guy that could be partner with Thomas Shabbat. Shabbat on the left, Johnson on the right. Eventually, teams would be like, OK, we can't dump the puck into Shabbat every time because he's so good at handling the puck and he can transition out of the zone. We'll dump it in on Brent Johnson's side every time. Well, guess what? He's also great at handling the puck and he can transition the puck up ice as well. So either side doesn't really work for you there. And when Tom Shabbat is making his rush up the ice, Johnson's going to be safe. But he can also anticipate and read the play and say, hey, this is a good time for me to jump into the play. So for, for me, Brent Johnson, he gets five stars out of five stars for should the Sens draft him, because not only is he a right shot guy, he's good defensively. He's good with the puck and he's going to UND to be under the tutelage of Brad Berry it doesn't get any more perfect if you're the Ottawa Senators.
0: Well, that's just the thing. He's going to make the next level based on his offensive ability. He's got a shot that can beat goalies clean. He can rush the puck from his own end all the way to create his own entry all by himself. But if there's one thing about his game that needs a little bit more refining, it's learning how to play as a bit of an undersized defenseman in his own zone. Well, who better to teach you than Brad Berry? I think this guy will slide in seamlessly on a D pair with, our friend Tyler Clevin next year it's the perfect duo of hey although we should mention the K-train is going to put up offensive numbers this next year in North Dakota but i think that their games will complement each other very well and maybe Brent Johnson can learn a thing or two from how Clevin seals off the boards when a guy tries to beat him wide he just he just erases them from the play so if Brent Johnson can add that element then there's no reason why he couldn't be a high second, late first round pick. Although his rankings are all over the place, Pilsy.
1: Yeah, and and for a good reason. I think different people have different things valued, but also, you know, a guy he could learn a lot from too, Jake Sanderson. Like, that's a guy who excels at transitioning the puck up the ice. If you want to have a guy teach you how to do that well, it's Jake Sanderson. So there's two sense prospects that he could learn a lot from with playing with them. I think it does make more sense that he would play with a guy like uh, Tyler Clevin. He was a top pair guy in Sioux Falls. So I'm sure, I mean, it's just down the road from UND. So this guy, he knows is all about the North Dakota. And I just think it would make so much sense for the sense to draft this guy, even if they have to reach a little higher, if they have to be higher on the rankings, like some of the scouts are to get him. it would just make a lot of sense. Like, I think I could classify this as your JBD insurance, yeah. right? I think he's a lot like JBD, a couple years younger. So he's down the road. If JBD doesn't turn out to be the guy that we hope and think he can be and a good partner for Thomas Shabbat, then you've got a guy like Brent Johnson waiting in the weeds. So I, like this, this is one of the most sure picks for the sense that I've ever had. Like they <laughs> need to do whatever it takes to get a guy like Brent Johnson.
0: Uh, you know what else he has in common with Tyler Clevin? That's the Elite Prospects draft guy does not like him at all. Uh, Clevin was a do not draft, whereas Brent Johnson is ranked 101st on this Damn. list. That's the lowest anywhere has him. I'll let you know why they have him there later on. But Scouting has him 35th. Our boy Tony Ferrari has him at 39th. And Scott Wheeler has him at 59th. Bob McKenzie, it's still his midterms, but he's at 84. Corey Prondman, all the way down at 92. McKean's 79. So that's pretty wide range. Now, the Elite Prospects draft guide, this is their opening statement about him. Every Elite Prospects scout who watched Brent Johnson this season came away with the same impression. He's fun, and not just a little fun either. He has highlight real potential on nearly every shift, but with great power comes great responsibility Or so the saying goes. That's really interesting, Ross,
1: because I would say all the other reports I've read from other scouts say kind of differently. Like, you're not going to expect the highlight reel plays and that he's a safe defenseman. So, hey, this is why we have so many different voices, right? And I think, like, I would be happy if he's the first defenseman to send select in this draft. Like, if they took, took him at 39, I think I could live with that.
0: Oh, 100%. I could too. I think I'd prefer 42. Maybe you get a guy who could have gone in the first round, but who slips and Isaac Rosen, perhaps a guy like Scott Wheeler mentioned or Simon Robertson, one of those guys. But again, the two I just mentioned, both forwards. So I'm with you, man. If he's the first defenseman taken by the Sens, he's a project. He's going to be a few years away and that's okay because there's already right-hand defensemen waiting in the wings who are steps ahead in Lassie Thompson. And as you mentioned, JBD as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Brent Johnson. But what we do know is as a note, accents commit, we're going to be following him next season, no matter where he ends up. And it's also kind of cool to note that he's from Dallas, Texas. Like how many hockey players are from there? So kind of a cool little background on him and news on him. He is not on USA hockey's list for the world junior summer showcase, but He also suffered a shoulder injury towards the end of the season, and he will not be cleared for contact until after that camp ends. That little news, courtesy of another friend of the show, Brad Schlossman, who's covering him as he makes his way to North Dakota, Brent Johnson, that is. Okay, so he's number 71 on our list of top prospects heading into the 2021 NHL draft with an average ranking of 69.9. Let's move up to number 70 with an average of 68.8 we're going out west to seattle in the whl connor roulette just a shade under six feet tall 180 pounds had 12 points in 11 games with the thunderbirds this year and he won gold with canada's u18 team had five points in seven games there pilsey what are your thoughts on the winnipeg native
1: I think Connor Roulette, he's a nice prospect. Like, I don't think, the the thing I always try to look for is what is their defining feature? What is their defining characteristic? And I wasn't really able to find one with uh, Connor Roulette. Like, I just think, he has good offensive abilities. He can join the rush. He can put up the points, like you said, 12 points in 11 games. And then in his rookie season, he had 39 points in 59 games with the Thunderbirds. So that's not bad at all. And I think Scott Wheeler kind of nailed it here. He says about Connor Roulette, he's not particularly an offensive forward or a defensive forward, but he can be effective in all areas, which is great for a prospect. And that's someone you can really grow and develop. But for me, I, I don't think he's really someone the Sens should target. I think there's guys with more upside in this area. So I gave him a three out of five stars personally.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I, I have him about there. One thing that the team needs to do who drafts him is get him with a skating coach right away, especially reading the Elite Prospects draft guide, who is very low on him. The Elite Prospects draft guide and Scouting both extremely low on Connor Roulette. 95th and 93rd, respectively, there. They say that he doesn't use his hips or outside edges at all. And I feel like using your outside edges is a pretty important part of skating. So he needs to get with a skating coach. He makes great decisions. He has an intriguing mix of skill instincts and physicality, but, Pills, he, he just needs to get better skating. It's such a crucial part of the game, especially where everything is heading at the highest levels. You, you have to be able to keep up, and it seems like that's what's going to hold him back. But if I were to say his playing style, you mentioned maybe not offensive, maybe not defensive, I'd say he's a mix of like a grind it out, but who, who goes in the corners, and when he gets the puck, his first thing is always look past. He's always looking to defer to his teammates i'd like to see him have a little more confidence with the puck and try to rip a few more past the goalies and other than that just get better at skating and and then you'll be on my radar so i'm with you i don't think i really want to see him in the sends range if bob mckenzie's final rankings come out and he falls connor could be last on this list because he had him at 39 which is almost 25 spots higher than anywhere else. And again, with Craig Button and Bob McKenzie, we're only able to use their midterm rankings at this point. So I think that could skew where he is in our list at 70 right now.
1: Definitely. And and that's the thing, right? Like with Brent Johnson, you had some you had elite prospects who had him way down, but then you had guys who had him like early second round, late first round potential. So like the upside is there, right? So I think that's that's what you're trying to look for with these mid round picks. Do you want to get someone who you can see some upside and you can see one attribute that they can lean on? Whereas Connor Roulette, I don't really see that. So for me, I think it's a pass.
0: One thing that's in his favor is his development curve has been solid. He was a second-round pick in the WHL draft, and now, just two years later, he's probably the number two, number three prospect out of the entire WHL for the National Hockey League. So let's just hope he can continue that development curve, and then maybe he could be an interesting prospect. But for now, I'll give him three stars as well. I always give Bet Online five stars. It's the only place I trust when I'm in my online sports wager. We've got two more prospects coming up but let's get in to bet online right now. It's the number one home to sports book at the locked on podcast network. And because we have such a great relationship with them, bet online is giving you the listener, the best welcome bonus going 50% of what you put in will be automatically reinvested in your account in, in term of a free play. So Here's how you make it work. You go to bet online. You make your free account. When you make your first deposit, put in the promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on, and you will automatically have in your account. Bingo, Bango bongo. You put in $200. That's $100 right there for you. Put in $100. Yes, you got it. That's $50 you can use to Pilsy's parlay of the day. Pilsy, which way are you taking the good people today? And remember, disclaimer, one, bet responsibly, and two, you can fade Pilsy too. You're allowed to.
1: Yeah, it might be fade territory these days, Ross, as uh, I had the Habs and the Under, and it was Tampa Bay and the Over. But no games tonight, so I'm taking the night off. I I thought about maybe uh, splashing into some other sports, but I'll be honest, I've just been focused on hockey. I haven't been watching basketball or baseball at all, so I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to dig myself a deeper hole, so we're going to pass on Pillsy's parlay of the day. Hopefully, I can be back and uh, ready for Wednesday, though.
0: That's smart. When you're on a bit of a cold streak, just take a step back, review, and then reinvest when you're ready and responsibly. So that's Bet Online. Don't sit on the sidelines, get into the action, and don't forget the promo code LOCKED ON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports book expert. all right Pillsy, we'll get to our Tuesday trivia to finish off today's show but right back to the countdown we go so far today we have number 71 Brent Johnson number 70 Connor roulette and now number 69 with an average of 68.3 Samuel hellenius this guy is mature physically for his age to say the least Pillsy coming in at six foot six and over 200 pounds.
1: Yeah, the si- the size is there. Like I was watching some highlights of him in Finland and they didn't uh like in the in the comments usually like they'll say okay he's number whatever and I didn't see that so I was like oh where is this guy? <laughs> Took about three seconds to figure yeah. out which guy uh Helanius was because he's just math he just powers over everyone. He might not be the kind of guy that puts up a lot of points. He had 14 points in 54 games in Liga in his rookie season this year. And he had four points in seven games at the World Juniors. So he's not, offense isn't the bread and butter of his game. But what is, is using his body properly. He excels at using his body to make space. He can win those puck battles. And honestly, for his size, he's a pretty decent skater. Like I saw him beat a couple defensemen and and get to that puck first to create a rush. Look, he's not the smoothest offensively, though. I did see him bobble a couple pucks. He's he's a little awkward when he's handling the puck. Maybe not the best passer, but what he does do is he can kill penalties really well. Like, he's a defensive-style centerman that can also start the rush. I feel like he can make a good first pass and then catch up as a trailing guy to the rest of the play. So, I liked what I saw from Hellenius, really.
0: Well, long strides to say the least and and a long stick that he can use on the penalty kill to take away passing lanes and make it hard on the opposition. He also has an element of physicality and a mean streak in him. And it comes from, you guessed it, Pillsy bloodlines, which might be why he circled on the Sens draft board. His dad had more than a few cups of coffee at the national hockey league level, playing 155 games over six seasons in North America, he also played 296 games in the American Hockey League, where in those 296 games, had 925 penalty minutes. His dad, elite prospects, turned him a goon. I won't go that far, but I'll say a hard-nosed defensive defenseman. But you can see where he got his size from. His dad was six foot five, 235 pounds when he played. A former 1992 fifth-round pick by the Calgary Flames. I, I, I did some deep dive into the middle of his career because he was up and down with the Colorado Avalanche for a couple of years. And I was looking for DJ Smith's name on that sheet. DJ joined Colorado a year and a half after he left, replacing him likely in that tough defensive defenseman category, but no connection to the Sens with Sammy Helanius, his dad, but Samu Helanius, kind of funny their, their names are so close together, but Samu Helanius, six foot six. And again, that's his defining quality. I see him as a guy who at his best is probably like a, a Mark Kastlik type prospect. Like if he can end up being a penalty killer on the fourth line, that's a win in his development. Right. Almost like a high floor, but very low ceiling type player.
1: Yeah, I, I can agree with that. And that's the thing. Like, I saw a lot of things from uh, Samu that I thought could really improve on. Like, if he can improve his skating, if he can work on his uh, puck handling, I think there's some decent upside here. So, I, I like him. I gave him four out of five stars because this this seems like a guy who is going to be a centerman. Like, I don't really see him uh, switching to the wing. For I think. Sure. As long as I'm not sure what his face-off percentages are like, uh, that stat can be tough to find in other leagues. But if as long as they're not terrible, this is a guy that I could see you put in as a project player. Give him a lot of time over in Finland. Bring him over. Send him to Belleville. Get him uh, acclimated with the North American game. Get him with Troy Mann, and then you can see what he can do. So for me, I I like Helenius. I think he's got decent upside, and the size as a
0: centerman is there. I like that he's already played a full year against men in the Liga, at the top league in Finland, 61 penalty minutes as well. So he's just like his old man, very physical in 54 games, seven goals and seven assists. And man, for a guy who's not touted at all for his point producing ability, two goals and two assists at the world juniors in seven games, 18 penalty minutes there. So is it a physicality being his best attribute or is discipline an issue is a question going forward that you might have to, Toe the line with a guy like Helanius, but Pillsy, you and I are organization guys, right? Not just NHL. And this guy could fit in very well in a year or two in Belleville. You plop him down there and he could be a middle six guy. But again, are you going to use a draft pick on a guy like this or maybe swing for a bit more upside? I think that's the big question here.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and that's the thing. Like, I think he's, like you said, a, a lower ceiling, maybe higher floor, but that window isn't that wide, I don't think. Whereas some guys, you can get a wider window with some more upside. So if the Sens decided that uh, they believed in his upside and had the scouting to back it up, I would be down for that for sure. But if they thought they can get a better opportunity somewhere else, that's also fair.
0: Our boy Tony Ferrari has him at 48, Bob McKenzie at 43, but everyone else seems a lot less excited about him. Scouting at 72, Wheeler at 74, Prondin 69, McKeens at 70, and the EP Draft Guide has him one spot behind Brent Johnson all the way down at 102nd. So again, as you're starting to get the sense of, and this continues, trust me, throughout these rankings, there is no consensus, and July 23rd and 24th are going to be extremely fun. Pilsy, that is number 69 on our list. Samu Hellanius, let's move up to our final prospect today at number 68, coming in with an average of 67.4. We're going to the queue, and we're going to Acadie Bathurst nonetheless. It's Cole Hawkins, a big six foot three centerman, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm a fan of this player. Seems like a guy, again, with Pretty low upside, but who doesn't bring that same physical element that you can get with a guy like Helanius?
1: Yeah, well, first off, and he's a good East Coast boy from Fredericton. So, you know, salt of the earth guy, probably. Is he a high character guy, Pierre Dorian might ask? I'm going to bet probably like everyone from out there seems to be good people. So and I I actually think Cole Hawkins is a nice prospect because in his rookie season, he had 38 points in 64 games, which doesn't jump out at you, but that's pretty good for your rookie season. Then last season, he's a point per game guy, 32 points in 33 games, essentially point per game. And. I like his versatility because he's played mostly center, but they shifted him to the wing this season. And what that did Ross is it allowed him to change his game and be more physical. Like he went from a playmaking centerman to a power forward, which I think at that size in the queue is the right move. When you've got six, three, 200 pounds on guys, smaller guys in a junior league, you need to use that to your advantage. So I like that his coach was able to see, all right, We know you can get it done at the center position. You got nice vision, but let's use that size more. Let's really dominate. And now he's playing a harder, aggressive game. He's winning those puck battles. So I think this is a guy that the Sens could see as, all right, Let's see what he can do at center. If that doesn't work, then we know we have a good power forward in him. So for me, I actually gave him four out of five stars. I think this is a guy that uh, the Sens could really use in their system. Some size with some vision is always nice. So Cole Hawkins for me is someone that I wouldn't mind the Sens targeting.
0: Maybe I got a little too caught up in the draft rankings portion of it and if that's the case then I'll eat it afterwards but I give it two two stars and maybe it's just, you know Wheeler has him 66 Prawnman hundred and eighteenth. the lead prospects wow. didn't even rank him nor did McKean so he is our first guy who's just straight up not ranked by multiple outlets and maybe I just got caught up in that I also like you said and you explained it really elegantly but I, I'm really convinced that the senators have enough centermen who might be wingers already. I yeah. think this draft needs to be focused on guys who can play down the middle, no matter what their upside is. That's why if you'd put Cole Hawkins and Samu Helanius in front of me, I'm taking Helanius every time. Me but too. I could see I could see how a team would would see the he skates really well for his size at six foot three. So maybe there's something to work with there. I don't look at offensive numbers when I'm looking at the Quebec league, unless they really jump off the page to me. So there's there's just not a whole lot that's jumping off what I've been reading where I need this guy to be an Ottawa Senator. So I'm just a little bit lower on him. Maybe I'll give two and a half stars uh, as my final one there, but yeah, it's, it's been a good four. this guy out of the four is probably the one at least. Like the sense to draft. Yeah, I kind
1: of have him along uh, with Connor Roulette, but uh, yeah, I, I can see your point. And having Pranman, having him ranked at 118, that is crazy. And yeah, like he doesn't have that defining feature really. So. So for me, I could bend the other way as well, but I, I do like his versatility and a good a power forward that can make plays is something that is not often found, right? Like usually those power forwards are meat and potato guys that just get the puck on net, whereas this guy can facilitate often. So I like that versatility there.
0: Yeah, my only question is what can he do at the next level in terms of his puck skills, in terms of his physicality? We know he can skate. He's got bloodlines as well. He's a cousin with the Malone family. So Brad Malone, former NHLer, and Bugsy Malone, former Pittsburgh Penguin, Tampa Bay Lightning as well. He's a dual citizen, Canadian-US, but has never represented his country, although... Um, you can just tell he grew up, he played with Team New Brunswick. So although he does have American bloodlines, he's a Canadian boy for sure. So Hawkins comes in at number 68, and that finishes up our four players today. If you figured it out by now, we're doing four prospects each and every show leading up to the National Hockey League draft, Pillsy. A couple notes before we go. We forgot to say it yesterday, but on Friday after we recorded, Daniel Rainbird wrote a great article on us in Ottawa Life Magazine. We just wanted to thank him for that. We always like to have our Sen Central citizens on and tell their origin story. So if you're curious about the origin story of the Locked On Senators podcast, definitely recommend checking that out. You can either find it through Ottawa Life Magazine. It's ottawalife.com or... You can head over to Twitter and go to either Pillsy, mine, or at Send Central and find it there. But that really humbling to, to read Daniel. I thought that it was amazingly written by him.
1: Yeah. First off, hats off to Daniel because that's a well-written article, Ross. You and I aren't really writers, so that's definitely not our forte. So we always appreciate when someone can have
0: a good written article. It was told as a story perfectly. The flow of it was just awesome. So stick taps to Daniel.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think like the best part of that, Ross, is the whole thing embodies what we're trying to do. Like we're talking about how we want to be the people's podcast and we're it's a show by fans for fans. He was a central citizen and then he writes an article about us, how we're trying to. Forward the movement and build this community. Like that was a, all a part of it. So it just worked out beautifully that way. So yeah, thank thanks again to Daniel. And thanks to everyone who's uh read that article and given us kind words. Really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. The sense community is is awesome and continues to be. So we just want to shout that out before we go, Pilsey. Tuesday trivia. When we remember it, it's great. So I've got one here for you. And it's sense related. Of course it is. What else would we be doing here otherwise? There are five count it, five Ottawa Senators who have more than double-digit shorthanded goals in franchise history. So your job is to write all five of them. Reply to our tweet at Send Central where we post the podcast. So reply there and try to beat Jay Quinn who had it in like T-minus four seconds, our last trivia question. But this one here, the five Ottawa Senators who have more than double-digit career shorthanded goals while with the Ottawa Senators. Pillsy? do you have any good guesses, or I guess we'll save it for tomorrow?
1: Well, we'll save it for tomorrow because you did ask me this uh, before, and I hadn't had my coffee yet, so I only got one out of five. I could have got five out of five for sure if I'd oh, taken okay. a little more time. But, uh, yeah, it's a great question. And, hey, penalty killing. It's important. Let's get some goals on the penalty kill. Love it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And not only the penalty kill, we'll we'll end off with a little nugget. One of those like water cooler stats that you can tell your friends about. Emily Kaplan tweeted this out. Only three players in NHL history have scored 30 plus points in back-to-back postseasons. Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, and Nikita Kucherov. I would have thought Malkin might've been in there. He must be close. He was close for sure. I know he had one of the best postseasons ever in 2009. And then I don't know if if he had enough, but he's definitely close to this list, but hey, stick taps to Nikita Kucherov, an amazing accomplishment. Tomorrow we'll preview game two of that series. Get back to our countdown. It's awesome. Last year we did three at a time. This year we're doing four and it's just rolling one after the other. So head over at Send Central on Twitter. Actually, I'm going to pull up the poll right now before we go. So here's how we're going to do it. I have a separate thread where we gave a shout out to all of our entities that were doing this. So it's easy if you want to go see what they're doing over at their scouting site, you can click on them. And I'm creating it as a thread. We're going to say how many days until the NHL draft. And we're going to have our countdown and post a link to that episode so you can go back and listen to each and every one if there's a specific player you want to hear profiled so after I do that Pilsey, we're putting up a poll saying which of the four prospects today would you most want the Sens to draft may I get your guess at, as to where the fans voted between Jackson Blake who's 75th on the list Colton Dak who is 74th, Vincent Iorio, who is 73rd, or number 72, Red Savage. Oh, It's tough not to click Red Savage when you see that name, so that's tough, but I'm going to go with Colton Duck. No, he was actually second, though, and that was a bit of a surprise to me. It seems like the Sens fan base also feels the way we do, where it's like, yo, let's get some centermen in the system, and does Colton Duck move to the wing? Maybe, but with Jackson Blake, there's no chance he plays center. He's a winger through and through. He finished last, but yeah, Red Savage took the cake. More than 50% of the votes, and a lot of them saying that he passes the name test, and that's a big reason why people voted for him. In particular, Danny Arsenault out in Newfoundland says, always draft BNA, best name available. So, (laughs) (laughs) So shout out Danny for that one. Pilsy, have a great rest of your day. Everyone listening, you too. Thank you so much. Chat again tomorrow for Brandon Pillar. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day.